Hello and welcome to Reality with Lana Lynette. I don't know about you, but over the last two years, I've canceled my Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu. I've blacklisted and unsubscribed from all of my favorite singers, actors, actresses. I've essentially unsubscribed from large media conglomerates and entertainment monopolies. Why? Because entertainment today has become an indoctrination pool of anti-Christian progressive ideologies. Today, I wanted to explore culture a little deeper in light of recent discoveries that threaten every home and family. I'm going to explain how we got here, what media and technology's role is in culture, and how this all connects to spiritual warfare. So picture this. You come home from work or school. What is the first thing you do when you step into your home? You probably lock the door. Say your place has been unoccupied for a large majority of the day. You probably walk around to make sure that nothing has infiltrated the place where you and your family lay their head to sleep. The last thing you want is for someone to break in and cause you and the ones you love physical, emotional, or spiritual harm through their unwelcomed presence. Fortunately, advancements in technology have helped fight off these types of crimes, or so we thought. The same digital technology that helps fight off immediate physical attacks has aided the gradual, undetectable mental and spiritual attacks that are going on in your home. What could I be talking about? Actually, you're probably surrounded by two of them at this very moment. It's that little black screen that you have scattered throughout your home. Your device has become the enemy's most undetectable portal into your life. He's got 24-7 access to you and the ones you love. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The wicked lie in wait for an opportunity, and we are all guilty of leaving the door wide open for evil to sneak past our defenses. Our security system, our internal security system, is easy to fool. Evil just needs to disguise itself as something good in order to get us to consume or accept it without thinking. That way, we are completely unaware of what we're actually welcoming into our homes, our lives, our bodies, our minds, and our hearts. The reality is you are what you consume, and society stopped caring about what it consumed a long, long time ago. Movies, TV, music, social media, the internet, it all seemed harmless at first. But what type of content do all of these things have in common? What does every form of media praise? Money, drugs, sex, and violence. The ideas presented through our media trickle down into culture. What we watch is what we perceive, and what we perceive slowly shapes our worldview. It's where questionable behaviors are normalized and how humans construct who they are based on fiction. Unfortunately, it does not stop at the content. Marshall McLaughlin, a communications theorist, once coined the saying, the medium is the message. This means that the message is not only the content that you see, it's the cultural 
social, and personal consequences that result from the medium through which you obtain the message. Essentially, a medium affects the society it plays a role in simply through the characteristics of the medium itself. The medium speaks volumes about what path culture and society are on. It's truly impossible to understand what's going on in society and culture if you have no understanding of the inner workings of the media. Let's think about it this way. As human beings, our physical sensations are stimulated by what we see, hear, touch, taste, feel, smell. The forms of media we've used in the past didn't send our senses into overdrive like they do today. There was a time when the most popular form of media was writing. There was also a time of silent films when audio didn't accompany films yet. Each of these mediums hones in on one specific auditory channel. Think about when someone loses one of their senses. Sometimes another sense is heightened. Um, it's, it goes into overdrive. It's the same thing here. Writing gave words power and silent films gave power to perception. As mediums expanded to target multiple human senses simultaneously, our ability to connect with other people through different mediums also increased. At the same time, our individuality decreased because the human desire to take part in shared experiences grew. As our technology got more intelligent, less attention span and intentionality were required of us. It's evident that human attention spans have diminished significantly since we welcomed in the digital age. Could you not? I am literally baffled by this upcoming generation's ability to spell. They have autocorrect on all of their devices. Watching images flash on a screen takes zero mental effort and people passively absorb whatever is served to them. We shape things in our lives, then those things shape us. Screens take us from participants to spectators. Not only that, but the devices now think for you. The screen comes on and our minds turn off, especially when a medium is fully immersive. Immersive experiences are very dangerous because it turns every human sense up to max volume. What you see, hear, touch, taste, and feel are meant to remove you from reality. When these senses are maxed out, the mind shuts off. What else uses these five senses for a pleasure-feeling experience? How about sex? How about drugs? Those are just a few of them. It really makes you rethink immersive experiences, doesn't it? What is the most common immersive form of media today? You see things come to life. You hear the movie in surround sound. You experience touch when you're squeezing someone's hand or arm, uh, like me to my boyfriend. Um, you taste whatever snack you bring in and you feel the emotions from the characters, the plot, the story arc, and we wonder why we are so attached to characters and their storylines. I'll admit that I was one of those who got incredibly emotional after binge watching a series or finishing a movie. I felt so overloaded when it was over that it 
was almost uncomfortable because of the level of attachment that I had to what I had watched. I don't binge watch stuff anymore because one, I know that the pleasure is falsified. And two, I don't like the person it turns me into. It makes me daydream and I fall out of touch with reality. I'm sure many of you resonate with this and we're adults. So can you imagine what this is like for kids? What's crazy is parents are 100% okay with letting an electronic device be their child's parent instead of them. I know that parents are incredibly busy nowadays, but that's exactly the agenda. When you're a busy parent, you don't have time to pay attention to your child all day long. There are a lot of other things that demand your attention. But culture is winning over the youth because parents are less and less involved in their child's lives. The culture war is not waged against us, against adults. You're just experiencing the ripple effects. The culture war is really targeting the youth. Children are adolescent-minded, preteens are insecure, and teenagers are uncomfortable. Any adult with common sense should not let the wicked take advantage of their child and their child's temporary state of confusion. Yet many adults hand over their child to culture and roll over to its outrageous demands. No matter how intellectually competent a child is, children simply do not have the life experience to put specific topics and issues into perspective. Our youth can be incredibly knowledgeable but at the same time lack wisdom because wisdom requires the mastery of knowledge as a skill. The secular and biblical influences on culture matter because culture is inherently religious. Webster's Dictionary actually describes culture as a set of values or social practices, beliefs. By definition, this is telling us that even a secular culture is in fact very deeply religious at its core. So then what happens when you hand culture and technology over to people who merely seek to satisfy their appetite for power, money, and or sex? The answer is the rapid deterioration of morality and virtue. Culture, technology, and media are not inherently bad. Things without moral agencies cannot be inherently good or evil. These things are great gifts that God has given to mankind to be used with proper intention. Technology makes many, many groundbreaking things possible. While culture is given to us to share with others, the word culture in its verb form is to cultivate, which means to foster growth. James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Essentially, God gives us everything. Every good thing comes from God. Human depravity, human sinfulness does what it always does to anything and everything on this earth. And everything that God gives us that is good, it takes it, it corrupts it, and it uses it 
for its own purposes. The world has been using these gifts as a vehicle of influence and change, but not to progress the kingdom of the king. Rather, one that supports consumerism and pleasure-driven satisfaction. We learn what the word of God says about culture in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In this verse, God appoints mankind with the responsibility to take care of everything on the earth, to love and care for it, to nurture and develop it. We are called to do all of these things for the glory of God by filling the earth with his glory through what we create for the good of our neighbors and the rest of humanity. This is the true definition of what we commonly call culture. So it's logical to state that society thrives from a culture driven by truth and morality, that its nature is to fulfill human necessities rather than one that focuses on pleasure at the expense of others. Humans are different than animals, not just because human beings have a conscious soul, mind, and intellect that is modeled after the creator of the universe, but because animals make habitats while humans make nations comprised of large cities, large states comprised of counties, counties comprised of cities, and so on. Culture is another one of those things that sets us apart from animals. However, we become so immersed in ways of thinking, traditions of man, and patterns of society that we lose perception of reality. Culture is a silent predator. It shapes us through what it presents as normal. Unless we leverage our consciousness and intellect to intentionally analyze culture, we won't notice that anything should be different. At that point, we have stopped using the gifts God has given us that make us unique from creation. We start to lean toward animal-like behavior, spending our days seeking only to fulfilling our pleasures and appetite. Human beings are intellectual. We're supposed to be moral and intentional, able to problem solve and make decisions based on holistic thinking. Animals are instinctual. They don't think about consequences. They just care about when's the next time they're gonna eat, when's the next time they're gonna sleep, When's the next time they're going to use the bathroom? And when's the next time they're going to mate? <laughs> I will end with this. Culture today is turning us into tribal animals. We're being spoon-fed and taught how to behave by those who have control of the airwaves. This is what spiritual warfare is. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, In their case, the god of this world, the devil has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Both of these verses talk about how the enemy specifically uses distraction as a way to war with us. And he also uses the desires of our flesh. Our mind and our flesh are warring for supremacy. When flesh governs the mind, we act similar to animals that respond instinctually and out of self-preservation and the desire to consistently pursue pleasure. When the mind governs the flesh, we think of consequences and know what happens when we act immorally or unethically. However, our mind must always be constantly renewed by the word of God. And that is the ultimate difference. The mind that is not renewed by the word of God is too weak to combat the power that flesh has over our soul. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Culture is shaping us because instead of cultivating a culture that brings forth the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fullness, gentleness, and self-control, we cultivate a culture that is sinful and broken. A culture that reaps fruits of hate, despair, confusion, impatience, callousness, wickedness, disloyalty, abuse, and disobedience. We need to stop allowing culture to destroy everything in its path and begin cultivating it with the truth. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless.